Welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone, and really excited to have Yuna, a nutrition health coach, join us today. And I'd love to explore health coaching. What does coaching actually mean? So Yuna will give us so much insight into this today. So thank you, Yuna, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So often where I see coaching as a necessity and there's a bit of an inhibition to actually move forward with it. And for example, patients will come to me saying, yep, I do need to start my diet tomorrow. I do need to eat differently, but I'll do it next week or I'll start that on another day. Or for example, I need to exercise. I know I need to move. It makes me feel good. I need to do it for my mental health, but I lack motivation. And that's where I see coaching can really help. But, you know, when do we need to see you? So, I mean, coaching in any domain, whether it be health coaching or business coaching or any other coaching, is usually something people seek out when they have a goal or, you know, a tap potential that they haven't been able to achieve. And they just need a bit of a help along the way to get there. So ICD health coaching is often something that people seek out when they've been trying to achieve a certain health goal, but they find that they can't find the time or the focus or even the energy to actually make those changes that they've been trying to make on their own. And that's the problem is that often they are trying to make those changes on their own and they don't necessarily have a strong support network to help them on their journey. And that's where a health coach can be really valuable. Fantastic. So in your experience, what are the common reasons why people are unable to start like a new habit? Because I know habits take a while to actually become a habit, but new behaviours, why do people sort of procrastinate or why does it take a while for them to initiate change? Oftentimes it's because people don't know where to start. So they know that they want to achieve something health-wise, but they simply don't know where to begin. They've probably got a lot of information that they've received, maybe from their healthcare provider or through their own research. And there is plenty of information out there that can support people, but they simply don't know where to start. And then after that, it's often trying to find the time and the focus. Focus is a really important one here. And, you know, prioritising those health goals and making the time to actually work on those things that's where they kind of come so everyone has probably experienced you know we're first of january i'm on a health kick i want to start a new routine and motivation is usually really high at the beginning and then very quickly it drops off and that's often because you know we start but we don't know how to keep you know what's the next step where to go from here we find other things to take our attention and focus away from that health goal and sometimes it's even just a, a lack of support a lack of accountability you know someone to actually hold you accountable and keep you on that right track so true and i love what you said because often it is actually overwhelming you might have come out of a consultation with your healthcare professional and there might be 10 things 10 things to do on this list and it is overwhelming and i actually really understand how it can be just an overload of information it's too hard i'm not going to even start and i love what you said so when they come and see you how do you overcome that what do you do to help them well I think one thing to be clear is that a coach is not there to direct someone. We're not here to tell you what to do. What we do as health coaches is we help you to kind of clarify your reasons why 
you want to achieve a certain outcome and then to determine which actions you're prepared to take, which actions are actually meaningful to you and which actions you're prepared to commit to because that's the important bit is that, you know, knowing what to do is one thing but committing to doing it and maintaining those habits long term are where the real sustainable change and transformation occur and that's where you get the real health results that you're looking for. So as a health coach, I might have someone come to see me who has possibly a number of health goals that they're trying to achieve. So they might be trying to lose weight, but they're also trying to be healthier and they're also trying to sleep better. So what we do as health coaches is we sit down and help that person really unpack their reasons for wanting to achieve a certain outcome and then helping them to prioritise which one of those outcomes is most important and which one that they're willing to focus on and make changes to. And then develop an action plan. How do you do that? Because it's one thing to say, oh, I want to achieve something and this is what I want to achieve. Then we help them break that down into actionable steps so that they can actually get to that goal at the end of the process. Fantastic. So in a way, yeah, like exactly what you said, coaching them into sort of guiding them. And you made a really good point. You're not telling them what to do. And it's really interesting when I really reflect on healthcare and over the last 20 years, how when people go to see their doctor, they're handing over responsibility. And this is where functional medicine and integrative medicine is very different and how nutrition and lifestyle medicine is very different. The patient needs to take responsibility for their health. And often, you know, when we think about chronic diseases, often it's due to lifestyle issues, for example, food habits, sleep, stress, and movement. And only you can change that. Only you can take that initiative to make the changes. And I actually think it applies to various aspects of health. For example, if you come in and go, I've got shoulder pain or I've got lower back pain, please fix it. You know, often we don't go deep into lifestyle and go, well, you're actually sitting for 12 hours of the day. You're not moving, you're not stretching. And there's a level of responsibility that we have to take as individuals to look after our own health. What are your thoughts around that, you know? Oh, absolutely. And that's what I love about health coaching. It's very client-centered. It's all about, you know, empowering the client to really take control of their own health. Because I think once you take control of things, once you know that you have the power to make those changes yourself, then the outcomes are so much more meaningful and you're far more invested in sustaining that change long term, right? If someone else is directing your outcomes for you, you may be compliant for a little while, but eventually you fall off that wagon if you don't feel that you have control of how you're doing things or why you're doing things. And one of the I guess the critical elements of of successful health coaching is helping people to understand the reasons why they want the outcome that they want. I mean, they may have come out of their doctor's surgery and their doctor has told them that, okay, your health is, is at a critical point now and if you don't make a change, it will get worse. But oftentimes those the reasons why people want and need to make those changes are not about what the doctor has told them about their health, but more about, you know, wanting to be there for their children, wanting to be able to have meaningful relationships with the people in their lives longer term. And I think that's the bit that I really love working with people and really unpacking all that and reminding them that, you know, you're not losing weight or you're not changing your diet because someone has told you to, but because you want to be around and you want to enjoy life to the fullest with those that you love and you know and do things that are meaningful for you have a meaningful life 
Absolutely. And I love how you shared the why. Often it's actually really hard to go down to the why, because when you sit back and go, right, I need to start exercising more, you actually need to take the time to find your why. Is that something that you found as well with your clients? Yeah, it can take many iterations to actually get to the real core of why people are doing something. And look, it goes in reverse as well. There's a lot of work that is done to understand the reasons why people got to where they are in the first place as well, why their health has deteriorated so much. And oftentimes there are other issues at play or things that people have ignored for a long time. You know, having this process of working with a health coach and being able to reflect on how you got to where you are can be very, very powerful in helping to reverse that and implement new habits to move you away from that state of ill health or having, you know, compromised immunity or or whatever the health issue that you're dealing with and you're trying to overcome, that can be a very powerful tool. And I think the key to it is that it is guided by the individual who is, you know, it's client-centred. It's not me telling people what they should and shouldn't be looking for. It's allowing them the space in a safe environment to actually explore that and really come to the, the heart of what is motivating them. Absolutely. And you also mentioned... And by the way, to our listeners, Una did a fantastic webinar, which you can all listen to on our links to the website. And you mentioned something really important about accountability and how that can transform whether you are successful or not. Can you share more about that? Well, yeah, accountability is a really important part of the health coaching process. And, you know, how many of us are, are far more likely to go to the gym when we've got a friend turning up to meet us there or when there's a deadline, someone's expecting something from us? It can be harder to be accountable to yourself when you're the only person who's involved in the process. You know, we can say to ourselves, oh, you know, I really need to eat better because it'll be better for me, you know, better for my health, or I really should get to bed earlier because I know I should do it. It's a very different thing when you actually have to be accountable for that. And I guess as a health coach, I always remind my clients that, you know, ultimately they're accountable to themselves. The only person they'd be cheating by not being honest and truthful about how how compliant they are to their own action plan is themselves. I mean, they'd be cheating themselves out of an outcome because at the end of the day, you know, I'm not impacted by that day. But the sheer fact that I'm willing to check in with them on a regular basis and see how they're going or that I've given them a, a task to report back on on a regular basis is actually quite powerful because no one wants to feel like they didn't do their homework right. But more importantly, it shows them that, you know, you don't have to have these huge hurdles to overcome to achieve success sometimes those wins are in being accountable for the very small steps that you take every day and so having someone who just reminds you saying well how are you going checking in and did you manage to do what you you set out to do this week without judgment I mean that's a really important part of this process is that I'm not there to judge people if they they don't achieve their their actions for the week but just even having me check in. I mean, most people are really surprised that part of the health coaching process involves me checking in on a regular basis. I often get people go, oh, well, I don't want to take too much of your time. And it's like, no, this is what coaching's about. You know, we sit and we have our coaching sessions and we set out a, a game plan and then I'm here to help you achieve that. There's no point having that planning if we're not actually going to work towards it. And, and I relish in, you know, being privileged enough to be able to have someone say to me, oh, yes, I'd really like you to check in on me and, and see 
see how I'm doing. I feel really privileged to be part of that process. So, and I think it's a really valuable part of the process. Very, very true. And I can think of so many situations where just by going to the gym or going for a yoga class with a friend, you actually do it. And then you add sort of a lovely reward at the end of it. So it becomes a great experience. It's a much more positive experience. But what I remember so well from your webinar is there are a couple of stats that you mentioned, and I often quote it to inspire people. And I think one of them was, if you do have an accountability buddy, you're more like, was it sort of 95% likely to achieve? Yeah, yeah. It's a, the statistics are enormous. The research suggests that having an accountability buddy alone is it increases people's compliance. I don't like the word compliance. I know we use it in healthcare a lot when we talk about people actually adhering to the plan, and I don't like using it. But in reality, people are far more likely to move forward and do what they said that they were going to do if there's someone else, if there's an accountability buddy. And then, look, that doesn't have to be a coach. That can be a friend, a family member or anything like that. I think the stronger the network of support that you have when trying to make changes, the more likely you are to succeed. I couldn't agree with you more because I was just thinking on a personal experience of when I had to change my eating habits, I noticed my portion sizes were getting bigger and I was gaining weight. And I desperately needed support from my husband and we couldn't have done it I couldn't have done it without him so it's just we sort of went on the journey together and I always say to patients you do need support you can't really do it on your own when you're you know when you're trying to cut out sugar and your family or you know household is full of sweets I mean that is the toughest task to achieve so it's really really important to have support and sort of moving on to a different area of coaching where you know in today's world, we are highly, highly distracted. So we live in a time where we're constantly distracted because of the mobile phone, which is glued to us. And I recall hanging out with a friend and we literally heard the phone going off the beeps every two minutes. And she did not flinch. And it was driving me crazy, the level of distraction, but it did not bother her at all. Then I kind of reflected, how often are we distracted and how does that affect focus? Because you mentioned a really important thing. You might have a list of things to do. What do you focus on? And, and as a result, are we actually accomplishing things if we're constantly distracted? What are your thoughts on that, Yuna? Oh, look. Distraction is a daily battle for me. You know, I might be a health coach, but we all have our own challenges, right? So distraction is one that, you know, I have had to do a lot of work on to overcome the challenge of distraction. And I was reading some interesting research the other day around some researchers did a study, you know, when you're given two tasks to do, are you able to do them equally well? And apparently their research showed that if you gave a cohort a task to do, if you gave someone a task to do and then interrupted them midway and gave them another task to do, they did neither of them very well. So yes. <laughs> you actually halved the attention across both of those. So even though people might think that they're doing really well by staying across a whole raft of, of different activities at the same time, the reality is, is that you're actually not giving any task your full focus so you know there's a lot of work that's being done around this idea of deep work and deep focus that you know in order to achieve productivity in your life that you really have to work on intentional time being devoted to doing tasks and that means time without distractions so I mean there's a lot of different ways to achieve that and everyone 
is different, I guess, you know, but I think the critical part there is being intentional about the time that you use when you actually commit to focusing on one thing, that you focus on that one thing and you find a way to exclude all those other distractions along the way. It's hard, though, because there's a bit of a badge of honour at the moment, you know, that, oh, I can do a million things at once and being busy is really, you know, highly regarded. You know, multitasking, you know, we, mm. we beat our chests about how much we can multitask, but the reality is that you're not actually doing anything particularly well when you try to do that. So true. And that actually reminds me of another research I was reading from the book Stolen Focus by Joanne Hari. And he mentioned a study where they took about 132 students and gave them a test and half of them kept their phones on and allowed for notifications to come through and half didn't. And literally those who didn't have their phones on performed 20% better. That means those who had their phones on perform 20% less. And I thought that's a huge number, that's significant. And how often are we not realizing the impact of that easy notification or that phone distraction? And I've got a funny story to share because I went for a yoga class yesterday with my friend and she was just sharing a story of how she went to a yoga class and this lady walked in late with a phone and then she was doing the poses, but between every pose, she was checking her phone and sending messages. And we were having such a giggle over it because, you know, the whole point of yoga and meditation was to relax. But here is someone in the in this century checking phones in between poses. It was absolutely that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and I go should have saved your money and stayed home. <laughs> absolutely. And like, did we forget what this whole class is about? But we we're having such a giggle. But that's the way it's gone to that the extremes, you know, we often see it when we go to the cafes and people are actually just sitting around looking at their phones rather than speaking to each other. So it's a major distraction. But I'd love for you to share, you know, how can people get started? So it could be a simple thing of, right, I'm going to put my phone in another room or I'm going to start walking tomorrow. How can people start? So, look, there's a lot, a lot of different approaches and I guess it's down to the individual about the level of comfort people have with staying away from their phone for long periods of time and that's probably a work in progress for a lot of people, you know, what some people might start by doing is perhaps leaving their phone behind when they go and do something like walk the dog. So they've actually got, you know, a 10 minute or 20 minute window where they're, they're without their phones and actually being quite present in the act of walking the dog and, and using that time to perhaps think about, you know, something that's important to them or working through a problem, you know, while they're walking along rather than being distracted by social media or what's happening or even just being, you know, using that time to just enjoy the moment of walking their dog, of being, you know, present in that moment. So that might be a starting point. There's also techniques such as the Pomodoro technique, which is, you know, if you need to blocks of time to actually focus on particular things. So, you know, switching off all those distractions and actually doing some what I refer to as sprint work. So just locking in, you know, maybe it's 25 minutes or maybe it's, you know, 45 minutes, and I guess that depends on how you build that muscle over time. But, you know, giving yourself a fixed amount of time to really work really hard, and then at the end of it, you reward yourself with a break. So that might be five-minute meditation, that might be five minutes scrolling on your phone if that's really what you need to do, or it could be any number, of, you know, it could be a five-minute tea break. And that can be a really effective way of getting things done, particularly if you're finding that you're not 
achieving a lot by trying to do lots of things at once. And I know a lot of people work with a lot of tabs open in their brain throughout the day. So blocking out that time and giving yourself permission to just focus on one thing at a time can be a really powerful approach as well. For those who perhaps are a little bit more keen to explore the idea of of reducing distractions completely, I mean, there's a lot to be said for having a digital detox and potentially starting with a weekend of switching off your phone and leaving it behind and not looking at it for a period of time. You know, you start with a weekend, two full days and not looking at it, I guess. The benefit of having a longer period of time like that to spend without a phone is that you can really start to assess whether you missed it, whether other people missed you while you were out of reach. And if you're keen, you can always explore that for longer periods of time. You know, you could take a one month break from digital devices. And and at the end of that, if you haven't missed it, you know, worried about missing stuff and other people haven't worried about missing you, then, you know, maybe it's time to reevaluate whether that with social media or whatever it is you're taking a break from has a a meaningful role in your life. So, oh, some really great tips. But the thought, as soon as you mentioned a month without the phone, I actually became quite nervous. (laughs) I was like, can I do that? And even we went away for just retreat, no access to internet or, you know, phones. And it was hard. And you suddenly realise how dependent you are. It could be music or podcasts. It could be watching, you know, watching movies. It's amazing how we rely on the internet and staying connected. And you're absolutely right. I think it's a really great idea to practice a bit of detox. And it could be a couple of hours in the weekend or the whole weekend and moving on to, wow, you know, a challenge. That would be a challenge for me the whole month, but I'm up for it, (laughs) up for a challenge. But just imagine how you would feel after that, you know, how much things you can get done actually. Well, it's interesting, you know, I don't know if you've ever lost your phone or forgotten it somewhere. And I've had that happen to me a few times, probably as a consequence of being distracted. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Ironically, but you know, it's amazing how, after the initial anxiety of not having your phone is gone and not having, you know, something to fiddle with and mm. play with, it doesn't take that long actually to to not need it anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I think we fall into the trap of saying, you know, we even if we do these detoxes that once we have the phone back in our hands, we, we quickly fall into those habits again. And so I guess point of trying to make is that there's probably a bigger piece of work there for us to really assess at how we spend our time yeah and to look at you know the time that we devote to work and the time that we devote to ourselves and actually blocking out time for ourselves and our well-being um, oftentimes people will do it as an afterthought so we'll, we'll block out time to get things done like tasks done we'll block out time for work we'll block out time for housework we'll block out time for our children but then when it comes to ourselves and well-being so relaxation time we often just try and squeeze it in in those those gaps yeah so and true often we don't do anything meaningful with that time and so i guess it's as much about being intentional about our downtime as it is about being intentional about our focus time on other things as well. So, you know, being as focused on our relaxation and our well-being as we are being focused on work and, you know, our responsibilities in life. So brilliant reminders actually. I mean, the whole the whole point of the podcast is for people to be aware of how stress impacts the body and what we can do and you've mentioned a great tip scheduling time for relaxation, making it a priority, which is so true. 
On that note, Una, and before we leave you today, are you able to share a story of how you are balancing your professional and family life? I know you've got a very busy family life. Yeah. Uh, well, look, I, I think like everyone, I have multiple responsibilities and I guess I have mixed feelings about this concept of work-life balance because I think it puts a lot of pressure on people to think, you know, each of those things has to be equal. Yeah. have equal amounts of time on work and equal amount of time on, on our personal lives. And oftentimes those things are intertwined, not necessarily intentionally, but purely on the basis that as an individual you might have certain, I guess, values that direct the work that we do and the way we raise our families and the way we want to live. So I guess for me, I'm constantly trying to achieve a balance between my wants and my needs. Yes, so true. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And the wants and needs of my family as well. I guess we have a very fortunate setup in that both my husband and I work for ourselves. So we're able to be quite flexible with the amount of time that we spend doing different tasks. But with that also comes some responsibilities, you know, running businesses can be quite hectic at times. But it also means that we can build our lives around, you know, family time, being around for our kids, and having that time to spend on those things that are valuable and meaningful to us as a family. So You know, we try to spend as much time as we can together on weekends. We try to get away as much as we can. We have a family farm that we like to spend time on. You know, I guess we'd all love to be able to go on holiday a bit more often. But I think it's as much about the quality of time you spend together as the amount of time you spend going away. And look, I think like everyone, it's a work in progress. And I do look to other people to support me through that. You know, even though I am a coach... It doesn't mean I don't benefit from coaching from other people. And that's one of the wonderful things about being a health coach and being part of a community of health coaches is that there are lots of wonderful people out there who are there able to, you know, provide their expertise and guidance in in achieving things. So, yeah, I don't think I have all the answers, but, you know, I think to appreciate that it's a work in progress and that things can change and evolve over time and that your goals and priorities can change and evolve over time and to be flexible and open to that and not be, you know, fixed. So great advice. Great advice, Yuna. And before we go, where can people find you? So if people want to get in touch with me, I have a website, which is www.thriveover40.com. So they can contact me through there. I invite anyone who's even considering health coaching to book in for a free discovery call, obligation free. So they want to have a chat with me about what health coaching is and how it might be able to help them. I'm more than happy to make some time to have a chat with them. And there's no obligations there whatsoever. Excellent. Thank you so much, Yuna. So if you're feeling stuck or a bit overwhelmed of how to make changes, but you can see the end result and you want to get to that end result, do book a health coaching with Yuna. She's fabulous. And yes, good luck with the journey. Thank you, Yuna. Thanks again, Shami. Have a great day. Thank you. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take-home message today? Remember, it's all about progress and not perfection. Curious to learn more? Visit usawa.com.au and click on the Usawa Learning Platform, which is packed with educational videos, including the six-week stress-free challenge. Enjoy the journey.